That was really lovely. And actually, I, I, I'm Joe, by the way, if you don't know me. Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, but I was really hoping that we would do who you say I am. And I didn't even say anything. But thank you, Lord. It, it just came through because it's exactly what we're going to be speaking about today. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. So... David asked me to come and continue on the series that he started a couple weeks back on the kingdom uniform. The kingdom uniform, that might sound like a little bit of an odd saying. Why would we need a kingdom uniform? You know, we go to work and we, we might wear a uniform or school and we put on a uniform. Why would we as Christians need a kingdom uniform? First of all, is anybody here in the kingdom of God? Yeah, I'm a citizen of the kingdom, absolutely. And so there's actually a dress code, if we weren't aware, that we need to have when we are part of God's kingdom. Jesus prayed. He taught his disciples to pray. In Matthew 6 and 9, he taught us to pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And that is our desire. Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And he chooses, our God in heaven, chooses to use you, people like me, imperfect human vessels to do his mighty work through. Isn't that incredible? But as we are going throughout the world, proclaiming his kingdom, acting out what he would have us do for his will to be done on the earth, there's a battle. There's a battle that takes place. There's absolutely a spiritual warfare that happens. And we know who wins. We know who's already won. But we are in this warfare. And God does not want to send us out defenseless. Number one, he is our defender. We know that. But he's given us armor. He's given us a uniform that we are meant to wear. We can't run out into the battle unprepared. We're meant to put on our kingdom uniform. So last week, David spoke on the belt of truth. And I'm sort of going to pick up where he left off, but I just want to recap for a second. So in Ephesians chapter 6, 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There's evil today, isn't there? <laughs> That's for sure. Has been for centuries, but absolutely is today. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We are called to take up the whole armour of God. And as the weeks go by, we're going to continue to speak on the other pieces of armour because they're all amazing and we need to talk about them all. We've got a couple of pictures of some armour. There we go, the armour of God. That's a good example for the ladies. Thank you, Tracy sending that one through. I think it's important we have our own one. <laughs> I will just stop there for a second. Thank you so much, Sunny. So the armour of God. Last week, David spoke on the first piece, and that's the belt. Could we go back to that first picture, if that's all right? Thank you so much, Sunny. I, I apologise. I literally sent through like 23 photos or something, <laughs> so he's got to do his best <laughs> to know where I'm at. Paul, when he wrote to the Ephesians, Every, uh, very, most people agree that he got the inspiration from God by looking at the Roman soldiers who were guarding him. So he was looking 
at the armour that they were wearing. And so that belt of truth, Dave preached last week, it's, it's very obvious. The truth is very obvious. It, it had uh, things on it that made it make noise. It was noisy. It spoke. It, it made noise. It was the equivalent of the siren of the police officer. Like you knew when a Roman guard was walking in because you could hear him walking in. Well, that's the same for truth. People need to hear truth, including Christians. We need the truth. We need our belt on. We must know the truth. We need to know the truth about God, about us, our sin, God's redemption, and God's plan for the earth. Satan is described in John chapter 8 as the father of lies. He is the opposite of truth. And he would love nothing more than to take Christians who don't put much stock in the truth and confuse them and blend the truth. Well, here's a little bit of truth, but let's, let's blend it in with this and let's blend it. And before you know it, we've got Christians derailing and falling off and getting their, their theology twisted because they're taking on other truths. That's not the truth. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth and the life. He is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So we as Christians, we need to be in the presence of Jesus and we need to be in his word, in his truth. So, as Dave said, don't forget your belt. Put your belt on, the belt of truth. Don't leave home without it. The second piece of armour that we're speaking on today is the breastplate of righteousness. And if we could now, yeah, that's the one. It was the best I could come up with because there was a few different options and I thought this one covered all of them well. The breastplate of righteousness. Let's talk about the breastplate, first of all, Exhibit A. The function of the breastplate was to protect the vital organs. You can see it covered the whole torso, the heart, the lungs, the stomach, all these vital organs. And it didn't matter how big and strong a Roman guard was, one blow to the heart and he was gone. It, it, was, it proved fatal in a second. So no Ro Roman soldier would even think about entering a battle without putting his breastplate on because it had to guard his heart and his vital organs. I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus tells us to guard our heart above all things. From the abundance of it, the mouth speaks, guarding the heart. So that's the breastplate. But we have been told to put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is righteousness? According to the dictionary, it's the quality of being morally right or justifiable. And that's a nice definition. But there's a problem with that definition because my um, definition of morally right and justifiable could look very different to this person's definition of morally right, which looks very different to this person. We've all got different standards of what's right and wrong. So we need God's standard. We need his righteousness. There is a huge difference between our righteousness and God's righteousness. As humans, we can try to do all the right things. But the Bible teaches us, and we're going to read this scripture in just a minute, that even our absolute best is like filthy rags compared to the goodness of God. And don't take that as a discouragement. We're, we're, we'll get to that in a minute. Just hold that thought, okay? So the Christian way of looking at righteousness is not what's morally right to me. Righteousness in God is being made right with God. God making us right 
with him and him giving us the power to live in his right ways. And we can't do it without him. Righteousness, we talked about truth, the belt of truth, knowing the truth. Righteousness, to live righteously is to act out that truth, to act out the laws and the commands and the ways of God. That's righteousness. That's living, obeying God's ways, following his commandments. And we can only do it through his power. We cannot, we cannot achieve God's standard on our own. Absolutely not. Righteousness is not something we can make on our own. Righteousness is a gift from God. 2 Corinthians, and we're going to read this scripture a couple of times. So, because this, I don't know if you're going to take notes, if you're going to remember. If you're going to remember anything today, this is the passage I want us to remember. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we become a follower of Christ, God declares us as righteous. Like I said before, not because of our own good deeds, it's not our righteousness, our absolute best is like rubbish before God. It really is. Isaiah 64 verse 6, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sin sweeps us away like the wind. But like I said, don't let that discourage you. Let it humble you. I'm certainly humbled like that. Or my absolute best is like filthy rags compared to the Lord. But what an amazing picture to think. If we, if we as, as the earth, as the world, people in the world, took a vote and chose the very best person on the earth, if we could take a vote, and maybe it would be Mother Teresa, or it would be somebody just incredible, you know? This is the best person on the earth. And then if we went and we took a vote and we found the worst person in the history of the world, a horrible person, right? The best person's best, even compared to the worst person, it would still be like filthy rags before God because his standard is so perfect and so holy. And take hope that God can take the very best person and the very worst person and give them his righteousness. It's got nothing to do with us. It's all got to do with him. It's a gift. And it's a gift to help us live at the standard that God wants us to live. It's sort of like being given a jacket. It's like God took off my old jacket, those filthy rags, <laughs> took them off and cloaked me in his one. Here you go, Joe. Here's my righteousness. And he's done the same for you. And although we make mistakes and we are imperfect and we can't live to God's standard, when he looks at us, he sees us wearing his jacket. He doesn't, he doesn't see the old filthy rags. He sees his jacket on us, his ownership on us, his mark on us. I feel like the Lord gave me a little bit of an example of how to share this. And I'm just going to bring them up one at a time, Sonny, if it's okay, because I'll explain them as they go. But the Lord blessed David and I with five children. We didn't expect to have five. That was never in the plan, but we praise God that he gave us these five children. And when they were born, we gave them a name. So if you could bring up the first one, there's Joseph. Joseph was born and a very young David, if you can see. 
Joseph David Mikowe Rotia. He got the longest name because he's the oldest and we got lazier and lazier as we went. But Joseph David Mikowe Rotniak. He was born and we named him. The next one, please, buddy. Thank you. Isaac Jack Rotniak. There he is. We've got another one. Darius Joshua Rotniak. My mum took all these photos, by the way. I think she's pretty special. The next one, Lillian Magrujota Rotniak. Didn't do anything. Was just born. We gave her that name. And just the last one, Michaela Joel Rotniak. Our children literally did nothing to receive their names. They were born, and the second, well, even before they were born, we loved them, but the second they were born, we put our eyes on them and we named them. Michaela, Joel, Rotniak, Joseph, David, McCoy, Rotniak. In the same way, and I've got another picture there, Sunny of the Cross, when we are born again, God gives us a name. He gives us the name Righteous. Joelle, righteous. My name is Joelle, righteous. Lindsay, righteous. Yeah? Sunny, righteous. We all have the last name, righteous. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We simply were born again. And born again, if you don't know what that means, is we put our faith in God. We repented of our sin and we said, be the Lord of my life. And he named us righteous. We received that name. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But he gave it to us. And just like my children's names, when they do stupid things, I don't take their name away. I'm like, a little bit, but I don't take their name away. That's their name. And we are going to make mistakes as Christians, but we're righteous. God made us righteous. That's his doing, not ours. I want to read it again. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Just keep in mind what we've just spoken about. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think about that. God in heaven, perfect and holy in every way, came sacrificially to the earth in the form of a man who knew no sin, who was perfect in every way. And when he hung on that cross, he took the sin of everybody in the past, of everyone in that exact moment, and of everyone who would ever exist after that. He took their sin. He literally became sin. The, the holy God became sin as unbelievable as that is, we who were unrighteous, who were born into sin, who were like filthy rags, even in the best of times, we who were unrighteous became the righteousness of God. What a transaction. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. But it was his mercy and it was his gift he became sin and we became the righteousness of God. He took our filthy rags and put them on himself and he gave us his beautiful coat to wear. We are the righteousness of God. And then he defeated sin and he defeated death and he stomped on it. And he is king, and king, king of kings and lord of lords over it. Praise the Lord. But we get to keep 
the righteousness of God. Amen? Can I get an amen? I'm just so moved by that. It's not my righteousness. It's his. It's not my jacket. It's his. It's not my name. It's his. And he gave it to me. And he gave it to you. When we receive God's righteousness, we have a responsibility to live righteously. And this is where the breastplate is going to come in. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29 says, If you know, and this is the amplified version, which I said to Dave last night is the ladies' Bible. Men can read it too, but I find the amplified version just gives those few extra words that really help to drive the point across. If you know that he is absolutely righteous, you know for certain that everyone who practices righteousness, doing what is right and conforming to God's will, has been born of him. If we know him, if we're born of him, if we're born again, then we need to live righteously. We need to live by his standards. And as I said, this is only possible through him. The Bible says that we have to put on, take on the whole armour of God. It's our responsibility to put the breastplate of righteousness on. God gives it to us, but we have to wear it. We have to put it on. So how do we put it on? What does it look like to wear the breastplate of righteousness? Matthew chapter 6.31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You ready for this? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. This is what it looks like to live righteously. You are seeking his kingdom. You are seeking to live righteously. You're not just waiting for the, the battle to come to you and hope you act in the right way. You have gotten up that day. You've put your truth on. You've put your breastplate on. And you're actively seeking to live righteously, to live in the ways of the Lord. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Do we? Do we seek him first? Do we put him first? Do we live righteously? Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's a hard one, because I know that there wouldn't be, I don't believe there would be any murderers in this room, but we certainly could tick a few things off that list, couldn't we? The works of the flesh, I, I'll be the first one to put my head up. Yes, outbursts of rage, selfish ambitions, idolatry. And I'm going to get to that in a second. These are the works of the flesh. And we all, Christians, have to battle the flesh every single day. We need our breastplate of righteousness on to help us fight the flesh. Because one blow to the heart, if we're not prepared, it can take us out. 
I want to ask you a question, and I'm not saying this at you. I, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm the first to put my hand up and say, yes, me. So when I ask the question, I'm the first one responding, it's me. <laughs> is there anyone here? Don't put your hand up. I'll just put my hand up. But is there anyone here who seems to keep stumbling in a certain area of your life? Is there an area of, of the flesh here that as much as you don't want to, like Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do, and I don't know why I do them. Is there anyone who, who struggles with something and your, your intentions are good, you want to live for the Lord, and yet you keep stuffing up, repenting, stuffing up, repenting? It's, a, it's an awful cycle, and I'll be the first to say, yes, I have struggled with that. I know I've shared in the past about this, but I just want to touch on it. Idolatry in the Western world, you know, it does not look the same as in the ancient world or even in, in other countries to this day. We don't necessarily bow down before idols, you know, physical statues. But idolatry is anything that takes the rightful place of God in your life. And I certainly have, at times, over and over again at times, struggled with, I guess, the comforts of this life. My phone, social media, distractions, mind-numbing, you know, just ways to come down from everything. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but when they suddenly take a place in my heart and in my mind where I'm looking more forward to doing that than I am to talking to the Lord or being in his presence, there's a problem. I've elevated that into a place of idol worship. And I know that sounds heavy, but that's what it is. That's a work of the flesh. So let's stop there for a second because this is not meant to be a condemning message or a message on condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. There's no condemnation. If you are saved, you're saved. That's me. There's no condemnation. Because we are in Christ Jesus. We have the righteousness of God. Can you believe it? But if you feel convicted by this, then let's pursue that because conviction is a good thing. Conviction reminds you that you are a Christian. Conviction means that you're listening to the Holy Spirit, that you know his voice. I'm going to say something that might sound a little bit controversial, but we need to... We need to go to this. A true Christian, a follower of Christ, can fall into sin. We can and we do. We can fall into sin. But a true Christian will get straight back out ASAP, right? We can walk and we can stumble into a situation. But if we are the true sheep of his pasture, then we know our shepherd's voice. And when he calls us, hey, 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 hey. Ah, uh -uh, this way. Okay, you know what I mean? We get back out. We follow his voice. A true Christian will feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and that will lead them to repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, For godly sorrow that is in accord with the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But worldly sorrow, the hopeless sorrow, condemnation of those who do not believe produces death. So, if a Christian says they're a Christian, falls into sin, makes these mistakes and feels no remorse, 
whatsoever, then I would really question their definition of a Christian because the Bible teaches us that we will respond to the Holy Spirit. But maybe you are in a situation like I have been where you mean well, you stumble, you get back up. You mean well, you stumble, you get back up. Can I challenge you and me today? Maybe we're forgetting to put on our breastplate of righteousness. We're to take up the whole armor of God every day. Maybe you've walked out with part of it on, but you've left this exposed. And you've walked into a situation and daily we are confronted with the works of the flesh and you are unprepared and you're not wearing your breastplate. And that could be why we keep having these problems. I just want to pause there for a second and go on a tangent because I'm talking to Christians here. And if you're not a Christian, I'm so happy you're here and this is for you too. But for those who have been saved, who have repented, you know, we're going to make mistakes. And I've shared this before. That doesn't mean that when we've made a mistake, that's it, I'm going to hell. No, I made a mistake and I serve a merciful father and I'm very quick to get back out of that situation and walk with him again, praise the Lord. We don't need to, when I say repent, it's not like I'm becoming a Christian for the very first time. It's, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, help me to do better, give me your strength, get back on. It's the washing of the feet. My feet got dirty there, Lord. Please wash my feet. Make me whole again. That's what it's like. But put your breastplate on because you may find that you fall less in those situations. When we're not putting our breastplate on, we might be waking up thinking, my old jacket's pretty good. My goodness is pretty good. I'm good enough. I'm a good person. Before you know it, you're having the world's worst argument, <laughs> or whatever it is, you, you've stuffed up, you've tripped over, because we can't do it with our own righteousness. Just like Dave said last week, that the belt of truth helps us to see what is good and what is evil to know. The breastplate of righteousness helps us to live purposefully in God's ways. It helps us live out God's truth. But if we're not wearing it, it's so easy to slip back into unrighteousness. We need to wear the breastplate of righteousness. So, don't forget your belt. Put your breastplate on. Put it on. Maybe, and I'm, I know that David has, uh, thank you, Sonny, that's great. I know that Dave has used this point before, and I have been sitting there and he's used this point, but I'm going to use this point this time and reverse it a little bit. But I just want to give an example of what it could look like when you actually are wearing it, when you've put it on. Maybe you're in a heated argument with somebody, maybe, and they have said something that is so wrong, and you know for an absolute certainty that they are 100% wrong, and you are 100% right, and you, you've got it. You've got the words on the tip of your tongue. You are about to just do the final blow, and you're going you're gonna to win this argument, right? When we're not wearing our breastplate, when we're not acting out God's righteous ways, oh, it just, that, that outburst of anger, that, that, those bad words, those dishonoring words come straight out of my mouth. But when we're wearing the breastplate of righteousness, when we are seeking his righteousness, when we are wanting to do the right thing, we can pause for half a second, use the self-control the Holy Spirit gives us, 
Not I, just his. Thank you, Lord. Is what is about to come out of my mouth, is it righteous? Is, this a, is what I'm saying righteous? Yeah? Is the way I'm treating my fellow brother in Christ here, is this righteous? Am I living out God's ways? It gives you the, the power to stop and to choose your actions, to choose actions that will glorify God. So, the armour, we'll just keep this one, the armour of the Roman soldier weighed about 32 kilos in total. It was quite heavy. And the majority of the weight was in the breastplate. It had to be because that's where the most protection was needed. It, there had to be a lot of protection there. But it was so heavy that if worn on its own with nothing else, the soldier could barely walk, let alone fight. He would be off balance. He wouldn't be able to do it. Something very interesting is that the belt sort of acted like a harness and the breastplate would get clicked in or tied in to that belt and it was the belt that would support the weight of the breastplate. And I'm gonna, I will be closing with this. When we try to wear our own righteousness, it is too heavy. We can't do it. I guarantee you it will result in failure, in condemnation, in heaviness, in just giving up altogether. I'm not good enough. But when we wear God's righteousness, and we can only wear his righteousness if we know his truth, right? If we know the truth of who he is and what he's done, then suddenly that load, we can carry it. Sorry, I'm just coming up to what I'm at. We need God's truth to balance out our righteousness. We can't, we can't get confused. The enemy would love to come, like I said at the beginning, and blend truth, right? Blend the truth. And suddenly our righteousness is, is we're a bit confused. And before we know it, we're not even wearing God's righteousness anymore. We've gone back to that heavy load. God never intended our load to be heavy. That doesn't mean that life won't be hard at times. Jesus guarantees it will be hard at times. But he also tells us to take our heaviness, to cast our yoke upon him and to take his yoke up. We're meant to be able to walk this walk without dragging. It's not meant to be a heavy walk, right? If you feel heavy, if what you're carrying around is so heavy, maybe you need more truth. Maybe you need to put more and more and more truth on because the more truth you have, the lighter the load becomes. So what is God's truth? Well, we know, it's all in here, God's truth. Some of it says you're forgiven, you've been set free. Though your sins were like scarlet, they've been made white as snow. You're loved, you're cherished, you have a hope and a future. You are safe in the hand of God and nothing can snatch you out. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you won't fear evil because he is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. More truth in here. God's laws, God's commands, God's wisdom, how to live. This is the truth. If you need more truth, pick up your Bible, open it up and read it. Read his commands, read his wisdom, read his promises. And then you will be sure that you're carrying his righteousness, not getting confused with your own. 
If you do need, I just want to say, I can invite the team to come up actually. If you need some encouragement with Bible reading, because I'm a, a very practical person, I, I don't just want to say, oh, read your Bible. Sometimes we're in different seasons. I've been in seasons where it's actually really hard to read my Bible. And that might sound, what do you mean it's hard to read your Bible? But it, it does happen. Maybe you're in a, a hard season right now or you're a brand new Christian, or you're someone who's walked with the Lord for a long time, but you're going through something and it's hard, it's difficult to read your Bible. You know, there are other ways of getting God's Word in your life. Pastor Sue mentioned it uh, the other week when she was um, talking. There's the YouVersion Bible app. I mean, we live in an age of technology that the Lord can use for His glory. You can get the Word. You can have a pastor from across the world giving you a word for the day, reading the Bible, doing a devotion, there are so many ways. We are to encourage one another and get around the Word together. Get in a connect group. Get in a connect group. Get around the Word together. But start filling your life with the truth. The whole armour of God, we're going to continue, but it starts with the truth. So to wear our breastplate of righteousness, we have to be fastened into the truth of God. Remember, righteousness is a gift. It's a beautiful exchange. It's our filthy rags for his beauty. Our filthy rags for his holiness. We don't deserve it. We'll never be good enough. But he made us right with him. He made us righteous. It's his gift to us. So don't forget to put it on. Don't forget to wear it because it will help you live righteously. Live out that truth.